to read this evening from God's Word. So you've got a Bible with you. I want to read it firstly in the book of Genesis. Genesis in chapter 6. I'm reading from verse number 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now down to verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy son's wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls of their kind and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be for food for thee and for them thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him so did he I want to go to the book of Hebrews as well Hebrews in chapter 9 and just in one verse Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26 For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now it's the second clause of that verse that I want to speak about. But now once in the end of the world or end of the age hath he appeared, that is the Lord Jesus, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now lastly in First Peter, First Peter in chapter 4, and reading from verse 17, just the, first, just the one verse. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Now that's all I want to read. And trust that God will add a blessing to the reading of his precious word. Just lately I've been thinking about the end of the, the day of grace and I've been very much thinking upon it and I'm sure most would would wonder, would wonder think the same that we're coming to the very end of the day of grace. That's just what was upon my heart. Maybe I should say just what the, the day of grace is. The, the day of grace is that favourite period when God's taken a people out of the nations or out of the, the, this world for his, for his name's sake. And it commenced at the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, just shortly, just round about there. And it will run till the Lord comes again, the second coming of Christ. And I was thinking about it, and I'm sure most is convinced about it. As a result of the conditions of our present world, and the mayhem that our world is in, and the confusion, and all that's about us. It's a big pointer to the day when the day of grace will end. And I thought it's okay for the Christian, for he's going to be with Christ 
But what really touched me, maybe I was thinking about my own family as a bit selfish, but what touched me was this, that what about those that are not saved and those that are left and for the end times? Solemn, isn't it? Well, that's, what, that's why these scriptures turned to my mind, and that's why these scriptures came before me. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Firstly, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 6, it says here in, in the early verses that we read that the end of all flesh had come before God. I want to speak about that first of all this evening, or this afternoon. The end of all flesh had come before God. That is, God was going to move out in judgment upon the people of Noah's day. That's what it's telling us, because this is bringing us to the days of Noah, the antediluvian age, when they lived before the days of the flood. And we all know that story very well. We tell that story to the boys and girls, the, the story of Noah, how God opened the foundations of the deep. God was grieved at the, at the sin of the people, and it grieved God that he had even made man. And he was hurt, and he was grieved, and he said he was going to destroy man. So the foundations of the deep opened, and the floods came, and it tells us that every man and every creeping thing died that was upon the face of the earth, other than those that were in the ark, the place of refuge, and the place of safety. Speaking of Christ. And that's what I want to speak about. Maybe there's one in the meeting tonight and you feel, well, really what has that to do with us in this present day? Maybe you feel, what? how could that be applicable in our day? Well, I want to tell you, friend, the things that were written aforetime, the Bible tells us were written for our learning and from our, our benefit. That is that you might get a, get a benefit from it and a learning from it. Because the Bible tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. You know, I feel we're in those days. I feel we're in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And that's what I want to look at. I want to look, I want to compare the days of Noah with the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Because we're coming to the end of the day of grace, the coming of the Son of Man. And the 30 things that was going on in Noah's day, they seem to be going on just in our day. Firstly, I was thinking that, firstly, it tells us in Genesis that people began to multiply upon the face of the earth. Want to look at that? You know, we are living in days, I think, and it's likely there never was as big a population in the whole world as it's been today. Maybe in the days of Noah, yes, but as far as up to the present day, the population of the present world, the statistics tells us in around about 8 billion. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Men began to multiply upon the face of the earth. It says they were eating, they were drinking. They had lovers, of, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. I feel we've reached a peak, you know, when man has, is sinning at the, high, at the highest level against God. Things being passed in parliaments, in our own present parliament. Dreadful 
and awful. And I feel it has reached a, a level. As if God would look out today from heaven, what it must be. When he looked out in the days of Noah, at the end of that dispensation, he was grieved at his very heart. What must God be this evening as he views this world and he looks upon his creation? I feel he's similar to that days of, to those days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. You know, and the big thing about it was this, what it says about all these people in Noah's day. They were just eating and drinking and giving in marriage, just going on as if nothing was going to happen. And it says they knew not till the flood came and took them all away, took them to judgment. I feel it's the same in our day. Oh, God's not going to destroy the world by the flood. But I do feel the, the people and the know not, just like it was in Noah's day, till the Lord comes and the saved to be taken away. Mind you, I hope you think about it this afternoon, because I'm fully convinced that we're truly at the end of the day of grace, coming very close to it. And we're coming to very near the coming of Christ. The one that shall come, will come. And he will not tarry. You know, the sad thing I was thinking about was this, that in, Acts, in, in Luke 13, uh, tell, the Lord speaks about these truths, you know. When once the master of the house had risen up and he had shut to the door. That's what's going to happen, you know. The door of heaven's going to shut now when the Lord comes. Remember the door in the ark shut when God called them in and God shut the door. And I feel this evening that the door will be shut again, the door of heaven. And there'll be many left out, left out for the judgment of God. Have you thought of it? Mind you, in that passage in Luke 13 that the Lord spoke about, do you know who missed it? And you know those who were outside? And those that didn't get the blessing and those that weren't saved, who were they? They were the, the privileged. Men that had heard the Saviour preach in their streets. Men that had yet at in the very presence of the Saviour. That's what the Scripture tells us. Yet they were found outside. Yes, they were going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets gathered into the kingdom. But they themselves thrust out. Mind your friend, it can happen. All your privilege now. Maybe your father's saved. Maybe your mother's saved. Maybe all your connections are saved and you're not saved. Going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets. Esau wasn't there, you know. Esau's outside and outside forever. With all his privilege and all, his, all that he had and all the, all the privileges that he had. He missed the blessing. And he's left out for judgment. I hope you'll not get left out for judgment this afternoon. That's what's a warning. It's a warning to you this evening. It's a warning to you this evening that the one, uh, the Lord Jesus, the one that shall come will come. And the coming of the Lord doth now. I hope you'll be ready. What's the big emphasis this evening? Will you be ready? Will you be ready when the Lord comes? Well, for the Christian, you know, 
Christians going to enter into his eternal reward. You know, the Christian has the best of this world and he's the best yet to come. That's what, that's, 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 that's why we encourage you to be a Christian. Because it's going to be, it's going to be, there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears. The former things will be passed away. We'll have entered into his eternal reward. It'll be a day when he'll have gained all. But the day that the Christian gains all is the day when the unsaved is lost all. Be an awful business friend to be left outside and left outside for the judgment of God. I hope you'll not end up the case. You know what the Saviour said about it? He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Make sure you don't miss it. That's what it is. Agonize. Persevere. There's many things that will stand in your way of salvation. Make sure they don't hinder you and keep you back from getting a place in heaven. Put it first tonight. Seek ye first the kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. I hope you'll be ready, friend, when the Lord comes. We're going, he's going to, we're going to see him, you know. We're going to be with him. We're going to be like him. I wonder, will you be there? Will you be there when the Lord comes? Now, that will be my exercise, firstly, for the meeting. And I hope you'll give it, I hope you'll give attention to it this afternoon. I wasn't only thinking of the end of the fly, of flesh, but I was thinking in Hebrews epistle about the end of the age. When he appeared, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now we're moving, we're moving along the annals of history now. We're, we're at the days of the flood. That's what we've been speaking about, the end of the days of the flood, when God moved in judgment in this earth and in the days of the flood. We're moving 2,000 years, approximately down the annals of time now, to the end of the age. You know, when the Bible speaks about the end of the age here, it's bringing us right to Calvary. And you know, there's something happened at Calvary, the greatest event that ever happened. And listen to what it was when the Lord Jesus himself appeared in this world came from heaven, left the glories and the splendor of heaven, came into this world and wended his way to Calvary. And what he accomplished was this. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. A very important event when God and the Lord Jesus, through the Lord Jesus Christ, dealt with the matter of sin. Because sin's a dreadful matter. And friend, if you're in your sins this evening, you're in a dreadful position because the soul, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It says the wages of sin is death. So don't be looking lightly upon sin because for sin to be put away and sin to be accomplished and, and, and sin to be forgiven, it required God's Son to live the glory. Come into the world and go to Calvary's cross. When he appeared to put away sin, by the sacrifice of himself. You see, God was a God that required sacrifice for the cleansing of sin. And that was even before Calvary. Because when you, if you look at this passage, you'll see that. That's what this passage is telling us. It brings us back into the old economy even before the cross. God still required the shedding of blood. And God still required sacrifice. And the old animals, and the animals, the animals were, 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 put, were put to death. And slaughtered the animals, and the blood of the animals was offered on the altars before God, and sin was atoned for. But it never put it away. 
fully. It continually had to be offered at them sacrifices. The priest had to come continually. And once a year on the day of, on the day of atonement, that always occurred and that always had to happen for man to have forgiveness and pardon of sins in the old economy. But you know, when Christ appeared, this was the supreme sacrifice. This was the once and for all sacrifice to put away sin. What a tremendous event, friend, when Christ himself put away sin by the sacrifice of himself at Calvary. And you know, I can't understand all these critics that can't see the importance of Calvary. Can't understand it at all, with all their intelligence and with all their high IQs. Mind you, friend, Calvary changed everything. Changed everything. It affected time, you know, it governs time. We talk about B.C., we talk about A.D., before Christ and after Christ. The very candle, you know, set out upon the event and the happenings of Calvary. Not only did it change time, friend, or it governed time, but it also not only governs time, but it also set aside the Jewish religion. You know, the Jews were a very privileged people. They were God's people. And there was the only religion that was really the true religion in the world at that time was the Jewish religion. But when Christ died upon the cross, friend, that old economy, the Jewish ritual and the Jewish system of religion, it was set aside. And there was a new era was ushered in. Was ushered in. And what was the new era? Not only was the blessing coming to the, to the Jew, but the blessing there was to the Gentiles. We are Gentile people, you know. Those outside the Jewish nations were all Gentiles. But we're glad tonight that the middle wall of petition came down at Calvary. And the salvation to all men was offered to all, not only to Jews, but even to Gentiles. Gentiles, sinners like ourselves. The gospel went out to them all. And we're glad tonight we can still proclaim there's salvation for all. All may come tonight, for Christ has died. Whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. For all may come, for Christ has died. What an event, friend, when Christ appeared, put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know that word put away? I looked it up. You know what that word means? It means that the sacrifice that Christ made has never to be repeated. You see, the old economy, the sacrificing had to be continually repeated. But this man, the Bible says, in this very chapter, take it down this evening and read it yourself. But this man, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, when he appeared, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in high. Finished work, friend. All the doing. You know, people talk about doing things for to be saved. You don't do anything to be saved. All the doing has been done, as God himself has shown, and by the offering of his son, his purpose he made known. We present Christ tonight. We present the one that died at Calvary. Do you know him? That's what really matters. 
Do you know him this evening as your personal saviour? Has there been a time when you trusted Christ? Can I ask you tonight, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's what matters, friend. It's only those that are washed. It's nothing we have done, you know. All we have done is sin. Sin. Sinning in God. But even that being the case, God has given his Son that sinners such as you and I might be saved and have a place in heaven and a place in glory at the end of life. Friend, what, what could equal that? What, what, what love could compare to it? God is a God of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can have life tonight if you only trust him. Trust God's risen Son. Trust the work that he has done. And he alone will save you. And I want to close lastly. It says in First Peter, the end of them that obey not the gospel. I want to sound out a warning. You see, the gospel is good news. It's good news to have your sins forgiven and to know that you have a place in heaven at the end of the journey. But what about those that don't get saved? And that's what it's asking us here. This is a question that's asked. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? And what will the end be? You know, I feel the words fail me tonight. Just to really tell you what the end of them that obey not the gospel be. In fact, I feel the whole English language fails us, or any language. We really couldn't explain it in its fullness, in the full extremity what it must mean for the end of them that obey not the gospel. You know, I was looking at the psalmist. Maybe the psalmist give us a slight insight into it. You remember the psalmist, he was envy of the wicked. Psalm 73, take it down and read it when you go home. A man that was, that was, that was a believer. And he was wondering why the, 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 the wicked or the rich and all those, the unsaved, want to translate it into our present day. How they were prospering so much. How everything seemed to be going so well for them. And there didn't seem to be any bonds in their death, he tells us. And he doesn't, and he tells us as well that, that everything just seemed to be working right for them. But you know what he says? You read down the psalm. It says it wasn't until he got into the sanctuary of God that he understood their end. You know what he said about them? He said they were on slippery places. He says in a moment, just in a moment, there could be in destruction. My friend, that's the end of them that obey not the gospel. John gives us a slight insight, a good insight into it as well, doesn't he? The Apostle John. When he brings us to the, the, to the judgment of the unsaved and the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20. You know, I was looking at it and I was thinking firstly of the standards of that judgment. Very important when it comes to judgment that the standards be right. You see, I, I work in a court myself at present. And you know, I listen to many cases. And sometimes you, you just wouldn't be sure what way it's going to go. The evidence is maybe not just as strong as it should be. 
And you just wonder, does people get away that are guilty? Or does even people that are not guilty don't get away? And I'm telling you, this will never happen at the white, great white throne judgment. The standard is white. It's pure. It's righteous. God's righteous, holy. And his judgment will be perfect. And his judgment will be right. The standard's at the throne when it comes to the judgment of the unseer. Don't be thinking you know you'll be able to sweep something under the carpet. Not be the case. I was thinking of the subjects as well. The, great, the dead, small and great, they're dead. Sinners, dead. And it says that the great and small are the small, dead and great. That's the kings, from the kings on their throne like to the least in the land. They'll all stand before the great white throne judgment. They have to give an account. They'll not get away with their sin, you know. Don't be thinking you will. It's not what the psalmist said as well. It says, these things hast thou done. And I kept silence. But he says, I will reprove thee. I will set them in order before thine eyes. The very order your sins were committed, friend, that were set out before your eyes. The things that you thought weren't, no one knew about. God knows it all. The books will be open, it tells us. The dead shall be judged according to the things that are written in the books. Friend, God's keeping records tonight. And it's solemn to think of it. That the unsaved will stand before God. And they all give an account. But you know what the sentence is? I was thinking of the sentence as well. The sentence was he taken up and cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. That's the end of it, friend. What? shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel. Solemn, isn't it? It's costly. It's a costly matter for the unseen. You know, what will it going to cost you? Well, it will cost your soul. That's just putting it in a nutshell. It's going to cost your soul. You know, people tell us it's costly to be a Christian, and so it is. It's a costly matter when it comes to being saved, you know. I mightn't hear too much about it today. But it is costly in becoming a true Christian. You can't have the world and have Christ, you know. For that's what the cost is in becoming a Christian. It's the cost of the world. Don't want to understand me now. It's not financial cost. You can't have the world and have Christ in the things of the world. There has to be a choice made. The Savior set those truths out. I was looking at it in, in, in Luke 14. The gospel preached in the parable of the great supper, and the great provision made for all mankind. But the cost comes in immediately after it. He talks about a man sitting down and building a tower and counting the cost. He talks about 10,000 souls going out to meet 20,000 souls to make an ambassage of peace that they might not be beaten. What's these people doing, these, these illustrations telling us? It's telling us that men are counting the cost. And friend, it is costly in being a Christian. But listen, it's far, far more costly than not becoming a Christian. For it'll cost your soul. To lose one's wealth is much. To lose one's health is more. But to lose your soul is such a loss. But nothing 
No, no, ma. Can I I say again, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? I hope you'll think of these things this evening, for this afternoon. The end of all flesh will come before me, Genesis 6. The end of the age Christ appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. We're still glad we're in the day of grace. And we're still glad that we can offer salvation to all tonight. And we can offer now, not tomorrow, not even 20, two, 10 minutes from now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But listen, neglect salvation. The one that's going to be your, what could have been your saviour, he's going to be your judge. And what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? But why is tonight? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Shall we pray? Our Father, we bow again and give thanks again for our Lord Jesus. And thank thee for salvation of you wherever, a moment in our life when we could see it. Your sin forgiven and heaven is our eternal home. We're glad tonight we can still sound the gospel forth and still offer salvation to all. We pray for any in our, and within our hearing this evening that they may be wise and seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. Commit our needs now to thee and ask for journey and mercies as we make our way homeward. Ask these things all in the Lord's worthy and the Lord's precious name.